This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, and this is the Torch Audio News Brief for Tuesday, June 8th, 2010. Um, got some interesting comments out of Josh Koscheck and George St. Pierre uh, from the Ultimate Fighter 12's media day before, as they uh, began filming yesterday um, from MMAJunkie.com, where uh, Koscheck threw out the continued BJ Penn line of uh, allegations of steroid use at George St. Pierre, and both fighters called for uh, Olympic-style drug testing for um, their bout at uh, or in December after the Ultimate Fighter 12 is is finished. Um, Koscheck said, from what I've heard from other fighters in other camps, yeah, he's probably or he has done steroids and HGH possibly. I don't know. This is just on hearsay information that I've gotten. BJ Penn and his camp gave me a little phone call. They were saying, yeah, he's on steroids, he's this, he's that. Yeah, there's a possibility this, the guy is pretty ripped all year round. You know, not making direct accusations at that point, but he did later on, as he said. Um, we've just got to pray to God that he doesn't grease up and he gets off that juice so we can equal things out, uh, things about it. So, uh, you know, it's disheartening to see that BJ Penn and his camp continue to um, go after St. Pierre. Uh, well after it, it, everything's been said and done with their feud. And, you know, <laughs> it's just not a good situation to continually um, bring out unfounded accusations against uh, one of the company's most popular, profitable, and mainstream stars um, at a time where it could legitimately affect uh, fans' view of him going forward without any significant proof one way or the other. Uh, For St. Pierre's part, he said, I don't know who uses uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, I have no idea, but um, he wants Olympic-style drug testing to happen soon. He said, what's happening now, it's going to be bad. It's going to be like a certain other sport. I don't want to say the name of that sport, but it's not going to be the best fighter that wins that fight, Uh, and that's something I'm against. Uh, It's not everybody that stands for that, and I don't. I think everybody should be testing like the Olympic Games. So, uh, St. Pierre is quick to call out cheaters and say that he thinks they should be caught, and he's up for Olympic-style drug testing, which would include uh, random blood testing instead of um, urinalysis, where they can be tipped off ahead of time or where they have an idea of when it's coming or it's only going to come when you're going to get a license or um, right before your fight or the night of the fight, what have you. Olympic-style drug testing would be uh, multiple blood tests at random times uh, throughout before you get to a fight. So um, it's something that should be implemented in the sport. You know, unfortunately at this point there probably are a lot of uh, performance-enhancing drug users in the sport right now, and... They have sophisticated methods of getting past the very simplistic testing done by uh, the uh, commissions across the country. Uh, and at this point, you know, it's it's hard to say one way or the other. And um, unfortunately, with the, a fighter like George Sierra, even if he uh, is 100% clean, his name gets tarnished by these continued ac- accusations and with no proof one way or the other on it, uh, it's kind of irresponsible for BJ Penn and his camp to continue to run that line 
and, and I hope it's not a complete line of rhetoric out of Josh Kostrak during the Ultimate Fighter 12, because um, we do not need three months of him calling one of the biggest, the most popular UFC fighters and one of the biggest stars in the steroid user heading into their fight, because it's going to do nothing but tarnish St. Pierre's name and uh, hurt his chance to continue uh, spreading sport in the mainstream sports media, because St. Pierre right now is the, the one of the fighters that can be that breakout star, uh, and is already in many areas, so we'll see what happens with that uh, come fall winter. Um, some other news around uh, the MMA world today, James Tony is training with King Mo Lawal in preparation for his UFC 118 bout with Randy Couture. Um, you know, I, I don't think that Tony can really do um, nearly enough to be able to handle Randy Couture in this fight. I think this is completely Couture's fight in the clinch and on the ground, as long as he avoids getting knocked out by a couple of punches from Tony. But, if you're going to go about trying to prepare for Randy Couture in your first mixed martial arts fight, um, he, he's gone and taken one of the single best wrestlers in the sport right now, in King Mo, uh, to train with. So, you know, he's taking it very seriously. This is uh, definitely something, this is a fight he's going to try to win, for sure. And the fact that he's training with King Mo shows just how serious he is, because he, he's, I mean, this is this is going to be his best chance to learn um, wrestling and, and train with someone that can really push him in that area. So, a very good choice of training partner there for James Tony. Um, other UFC news, Dan Miller is uh, reportedly going to get another shot in the octagon. This is according to MMAJunkie.com. Um, Miller lost his third straight fight to Michael Bisping at UFC 114. But um, considering his three losses came to Chael Sonnen, Damian Maya, and Michael Bisping, and the fact that he has had just nothing but turmoil in his personal life uh, since early last year. Um, it's nothing but goodwill from the UFC to, to give him another chance uh, because he's still uh, very capable of competing with most of the fighters in the middleweight division. Uh, it's clear he's not an upper echelon guy, but he's lost to three straight fighters. But two of those have gone on to face Anderson Silva for the title. Michael Bisping is trying to climb his way back up the ladder uh, after a lot. He was uh, after that loss to Vanderlei Silva earlier this year. So, um, you know, Miller has only lost to some really good fighters, and at this point, he can be a gatekeeper in the division, and he's going to be a big test for whoever they match him up against next. And I think it's a very good thing that the UFC is giving him another shot. Uh, some Strike Force news. Well, Fedor. Still has a fight this month with Fabricio Verdum on Showtime. Uh, his next fight after that is likely headed to pay-per-view. Um, Strikeforce will likely make a their pay-per-view pay debut along with M1 Global. Um, if Fedor gets past Fabricio Verdum, the next fight is almost guaranteed to be the uh, uh, Fedor-Overeem fight, and that is the one that will come to pay-per-view. It's the only fight right now that makes sense for the UFC to, or I'm sorry, for Strikeforce to put on pay-per-view, um, and the only one that they could 
realistically uh, do some decent business with, though Fedor is still a very unproven draw uh, on pay-per-view, and despite bringing in uh, 6 million viewers on CBS for his fight with Brothers, uh, it, that's not going to necessarily translate to paying customers, even though almost every hardcore fan is going to want to see Fedor vs. Overeem. Uh, infinitely more than they want to see Fedor vs. Verdum right now. So that's a fight that needs to happen if Fedor gets past Verdum and if it's going to be on um, if it's going to be on pay-per-view, uh, this is the fight to do it. So um, smart business move on Sorcerer's part is smart progression, progression on their part to move from uh, Showtime to CBS to pay-per-view. It may be a lot of uh, too soon with it, um, being just a year and a half on the major scene, but this is the one fight that they can build up to to realistically um, have a successful pay-per-view event, so that's something else to look forward to before the end of 2010. Finally, uh, a couple of fights for WEC 50 in August uh, set for the card coming out of Las Vegas. Uh, and it's a couple of Bantamweight fights, including Uriah Faber's drop to Bantamweight for the first time in the WEC. And uh, they put him together with a very solid opponent in Takeya Mitsugaki. That's an excellent, excellent Bantamweight fight. Uh, I think a great fight for Faber dropping down for the first time uh, in his WEC tender after losing Jose Aldo in April. Um, you know, Mitsugaki's a very tough opponent, but he's a very beatable opponent for Faber. And if they're going to get to the super fight that people wanted to see a couple of years ago in favor against Miguel Torres, uh, both of those fighters need to get back on uh, the winning track, and this is Faber's chance to do so. So I think it's a very good fight. I think it's a very good opportunity for Mitsugaki. Uh, the other fight on that that will likely be the main event is uh, Dominic Cruz versus Joseph Benavidez 2. Um, the, the two met last year, a, a fight that Cruz won by decision that earned him uh, a title shot against Brian Bowles after Bowles defeated um, Miguel Torres. So Cruz came into his fight with Bowles and, and picked up the victory earlier this year, and Joseph Benavidez went in and submitted Miguel Torres in impressive fashion after he busted up his forehead. So we've got a rematch now, and... It, in, it, it'll be a five-round fight. It, it may end up going the same way that the first fight did, but it's still going to be an exciting title fight for the WEC, and this is going to be a very good uh, return to versus after uh, a less-than-appealing June 20th card here this month. So uh, that's all I've got for today. Uh, once again, we'll, we'll be uh, back with more UFC 115 coverage and the Ultimate Fighter, uh, the two-hour um, version of the show tomorrow night, featuring the two semifinal fights, and Rich Franklin and his team of coaches um, on the last two hours of the show before the Ultimate Fighter finale next weekend. So thanks for listening in tonight. Uh, check back tomorrow, and uh, once again, this is Jamie Pennock signing off.